welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese culture and history through historical Chinese dramas. We're your hosts, Kathy and Karen. Today, we will discuss episode 51, part 2, and episode 52 of the story of Minglan, or The podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain Chinese phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. If you have any questions, please reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter at Chasing Dramas, or else email us at Karen and Kathy at ChasingDramas.com. We will start off with the episode recap, then do a historical analysis, and then finally close off with some book differences today. After the excitement of the last podcast episode where Gu Tingye's uh, mistress came with a nefarious plan to kill Gu Tingye and where Gu Tingye unfortunately found out that his son had sadly passed away, the pace slows down and turns back to family affairs for both Gu Tingye and Sheng Minglan. We haven't seen the Sheng side of the family in quite a while, and uh, so it's actually really nice to see them again when we turn back to this episode in the second part of episode 51. On this day, Minglan and the other Sheng family sisters, Rulan and Mulan, are back at the Sheng family, meeting their new nephew, son of their second brother, Changbai, and sister-in-law, Hai Zhaoyun, or we'll call her Madam Hai now. The scene opens with Minglan holding this round little ball of cuteness while Grandma Sheng, Madam Wang, Mulan, Rulan, and Madam Hai look on. The congregation of women dote upon this new son and immediately the passive aggressiveness starts. Through the barbs, we hear quite a bit of gossip. One, on, or at least on Mulan's side, we find out that she has accepted quite a few concubines for her husband and that one of her husband's favored concubines lost a child in miscarriage. Hmm, interesting. On Rulan's side, she is actually pregnant, though quite early in her pregnancy. One of the bigger underlying conflicts, though, starts to show itself when Minglan tries to abate some of the aggression between the ladies and brings up a trip to a nearby hot spring. Madame Wang suggests that Minglan invite her sister, so Minglan's, I guess, not blood-related maternal aunt, to the hot spring as well. Uh, and this person is Madame Kang. So technically, this Madame Kong is also another Madame Wong, but she married into the Kong family. So we're just going to call her Kong, Madame Kong, or uh, in the show, she's called Kong Yimu. Otherwise, there would be too many Madame Wongs for us to follow. Grandma Sheng immediately steps in and tells the group of ladies to go off on various errands. The aim is to keep only Madame Wong and Rulan around to tell Madame Wong to distance herself from her sister. Grandma Sheng is absolutely the best. She bluntly points out that this Madame Kong is too eager to play up the relative narrative with Minglan, even though Minglan just married into the Gu family and does not yet have a stable foundation. Again, what kind of relation are you? 
not even blood relations. So how can you say that you're uh, related or in Chinese it would be called a tinti to um, Minglan? Rulan seems to have grown up quite a bit since getting married, as she chimes in that if Madame Kong needs a place to go, she should come visit her instead to help her against her difficult mother-in-law. It's frustrating because Rulan has married below her station, but is still somehow being bullied. And this is where Grandma Sheng provides additional sage advice on marriage relationships, or at least advice my mom would appreciate. She says that marriage should be between two families that are of equal standing. In instances where one marries higher in society or one marries lower in society, there's an imbalance. I don't think in modern day this type of marriage or relationship advice is the most accurate, but what do you think? Do you agree with Grandma Shum? Why or why not? But most certainly in her time period, it, uh, it made sense. We've seen many examples of where marrying up or low causes, can cause trouble. Right. Rulan married low. So she right now has the opportunity to have her mother's family, side of the family, go to her husband's household and make demands. Milan, though, married high. So she really doesn't have any support in the house, in her, uh, from her mother's side to support her. The real conflict of this visit comes at the meal the family shares shortly after. Minglan's father, Sheng Hong, Madame Wang, Zhu Lan, Mu Lan, and her husband, Liang Han, are all at the table. Liang Han, mm, probably not so smartly, tries to strike up a conversation with Sheng Hong about the emperor's recent visit to uh, pay his respects to his father at a temple. This topic of conversation causes Mualan to tearily bring up her own mother. She wants to place Mistress Lin's plaque in the temple with the family for people to remember her. The moment Minglan hears Mualan start this conversation, she tries to prevent her father from responding in the affirmative by repeatedly giving him food. Her father calls her out on it and Mualan puts up her usual act of playing innocent and saying that if you agree, I'll even kneel for you. But with those words, Minglan sees red. She actually chucks her chopsticks to the ground and says many harsh words, though her tone remains relatively calm, at least for now. She will never allow Mistress Lin's plaque to be put in the temple. In front of the astonished group to see her aggression, she reveals that Mistress Lin was the one to kill her mother, her birth mother. Sheng Hong and Mualan are in disbelief. They think Minglan is lying. But Minglan stands up and holds her ground, stating that she has evidence and witness testimony. If no one believes her, she is willing to go to court. Notice that Sheng Hong looks or passes a glance over at Madame Wang and Ru Lan to see their reaction. Neither of them stood up or acted in any way surprised by this revelation. That, to me, at least, was enough for Sheng Hong to think that what Ming Lan said had at least some truth to it. 
That brings us to episode 52, where this confrontation continues. Ming Lan is still being berated by Sheng Hong, but Ming Lan is not willing to back down. She cannot stand the fact that her father, who was so upset at Mistress Lin for her involvement in Mo Lan's marriage, is now willing to forget her past faults. With this reveal, though, Liang Han also becomes furious. Now, he is finding out that his quote-unquote meeting with Mo Lan at the temple may not have been genuine. Mulan roundly denies this, but Rulan chirps in a word of affirmation before being glared down by her own mother. Clearly, Madame Wong knows that this is not a conflict she needs to be involved in. And one of the few times that she's actually smart. <laughs> I think it's more of a saving face for her, and she doesn't want to get involved with this. Shou Hong is furious and is about to raise his hand against Ming Lan, but none other than Gu Tingye arrives to talk him down. Shou Hong, as is his MO, always turns into a tiny mouse when someone of higher rank appears and Gu Tingye outranks him by several levels. The moment Gu Tingye arrives, the entire power dynamics of the conversation shifts. Gu Tingye outright states that it does not make sense for Mistress Lin's plaque to be placed in the temple, nor should her name appear in the family genealogy. Notice that Gu Tingye does not ask, but rather states. These are his thoughts, and he expects Sheng Hong to adhere to them. Mo Lan tries to rebuff Gu Tingye, but at this point, even Sheng Hong tells her to stop talking. Clearly, he knows in his head what is right and wrong, but thought he could bully Milan out of it. He, though, does not have any kind of sway with Gu Tingye. After seeing this scene unfold, Grandma Sheng, who has been peering a ways away from the entrance to see if she had to step in to protect Milan, is comforted to see that someone else now can take care of Milan. I am, once again, quite impressed with Gu Tingye. He was... Uh, Pretty much every person's support system they wish they had. The moment that you're in trouble and you have that person, whether it's a man or a woman, to come and support you. What a, what a great save, I must say. The consequences of this conversation are twofold. On one hand, Ming Lan and Gu Tingye actually strengthen their relationship as the two share their love for their lost mothers who both died hoping that they would grow up and succeed in the uh, carriage ride home. Aww, it was fated that the two of them would end up together based on their tragic experiences in youth. And no matter what the reputation Gu Tingye had, Ming Lan always thanked him and was grateful to him for helping her when her mother was dying. It's really quite sweet that Gu Tingye is such a supportive husband. He is even willing to call Minglan's mother as her actual mu qin, or the, the real term for mother, not a concubine. In this world of uh, such unfairness, where women are oftentimes treated as objects, this is a huge sign of respect for Minglan's mother and for Minglan. You can tell that she is extremely comforted and grateful again when Gu Tingye says that he will call her mother Mu Qin as well. The other consequence of this conversation is that Mo Lan's marriage is now in danger. 
Back at their own household, Liang Han is not in a good mood. Mulan continues her act as a uh, green tea, and if folks remember what that is, you know it's it's not a pleasant description. Uh, she manipulates the facts of her upbringing in order to make it seem like she was impoverished and destitute. However, Liang Han is starting to see through it. He bluntly asks Mulan to tell him if their meeting in the temple was the heaven's will or was it a conniving plot. Mulan tearfully trickled truths what happened, but Mulan has clearly lost the trust of Liang Han. Later in the episode, we're skipping around a little bit, uh, but it's because it makes more sense. Liang Han even comes on to one of Mulan's maids in order for her to tell him the truth of what happened. Now, Mulan has forbidden this maid from marrying a terrible move that will clearly be met with hatred and revenge. And so without much other option, this maid agrees to be with Liang Han. She reveals that the two maids previously serving Mulan were killed, which further supports the story that his marriage probably started out as a ruse. Now he is extremely upset at Mulan for playing him. I do think both of these people, you know, they're not great people, but Liang Han, I would think, actually had true feelings for Mulan at the beginning. And so that is why he is so upset to hear Mulan's deception in uh, their so-called initial meeting. All I can say is, though, Mulan, you totally dug your own grave. If you didn't bring up your mother during the meal, then none of this would have ever been exposed and you would have been fine in your marriage. The remainder of this episode is both um, heartbreaking and also quite hilarious. Right after Gu Tingye and Minglan return home, an unexpected visitor in the form of Gu Tingye's paternal aunt arrives. Gu Tingye heads off to change from his court attire, but this turns out to be the opportunity he did not want to provide. This aunt shows up with a young woman in tow. In an awkward exchange, this aunt quite condescendingly highlights the fact that Milan has been married almost a year and is still not pregnant. Oh no, the How horror. dare she? The Gu family cannot have that, so she brought a woman to help the Marquis. The word she uses is that woman is very fertile. Ew. I mean, how would you know? <laughs> Gu Tingye has changed back in his rooms and is told that there's a young woman who arrived with the aunt. Immediately, he feels something might be wrong and hurries to the main hall. Along the way, though, he meets Milan's maid, Cui Wei, with this woman. Cui Wei introduces her as Qian Fengxian, who has been accepted by Milan to be a concubine for Gu Tingye. I guess normally men would be rather pleased with this arrangement, but Gu Tingye is not. He responds with, how quickly did Milan accept this? Was it immediately or was it after a loss of imploring from the aunt? All he cares about is whether or not Milan is jealous of this new woman. <laughs> and the remainder of the episode will be about the funny actions Gu Tingye takes to try to get a jealous reaction out of Milan. 
But before we get to see this、uh, hilarious development, Gu Tingye, who、uh, finally makes it to the main hall to greet his aunt and escorts her out, has a heart-to-heart with her about what just happened. He reveals that he knows she did not like his mother marrying into the Gu family back in the day because it was a huge humiliation for her when she was married. She probably was ridiculed relentlessly in her husband's family for what happened. I mean, the Gu family, a family of nobility, married a family who came from the merchant class, which we've talked about previously, does not match at all. That must have been very difficult for this aunt, who is the sister of Gu Tingye's father, after she married. The aunt does not deny this, and slowly Gu Tingye unveils that she has been tricked into coming here with this concubine by Madame Qin in order to make their lives more difficult. The only person to gain from Gu Tingye's suffering is Madame Qin. At first, this aunt doesn't believe Gu Tingye, but the moment he states that if he dies, then Madame Qin's son is the one who will become marquis, does it click for her? He's right. Madame Qin probably isn't as pure intentioned as she let on. From the conversation, we can tell that Madame Qin probably said a bunch of things about how Mingline is not effective, how things are going poorly to support、uh, Gu Tingye as the new marquis, and that's why this aunt came over with this concubine. Unfortunately, the damage of a new concubine has been done, and we see Madame Qin being rather pleased to hear that、uh, Minglan has actually kept this new woman, as she thinks it will certainly be a foil in Minglan and Gu Tingye's marriage. She thinks Gu Tingye will not be able to reject this woman in the long run, which will create chasms for him and Minglan, regardless of how strong they are in the moment. Now this is where the fun begins. It's now night, and while、well, it's Gu Tingye's wedding night to Feng Xian, Gu Tingye had no intention of sleeping with Feng Xian that night, and returns to the main chambers, expecting Minglan to be there. But nope, she's over at the Shui Xian Pavilion, figuring out the essentials for Feng Xian. Gu Tingye is incredulous and storms over there, only to see Minglan serenely listing out what else is needed. Gu Tingye asks Minglan to return back to their chambers, but she smilingly just says, "Enjoy your wedding night," and leaves with her maids in tow. Notice that this wedding night is nowhere near—I mean, it's non-existent essentially. It's just this woman is placed there. Or the husband. It's not a proper wedding, and that is the、uh, reality for concubines, for women who are not the、uh, the wife. Shirto is hilarious because he closes the door behind him and just like stands there. It's like I got you. <laughs> Gu Tingye continues his streak of looking incredulous and just sits down. He's like, Minglan, how can you totally not care about this new woman? <laughs> Over the course of the night, Gu Tingye just. Sits there. Feng Xian is left to stand there awkwardly. I feel kind of bad. She probably stood there for like hours. I rather enjoy how they make Gu Tingye look all glassy-eyed because time has passed. It's midnight. Time passes. He's tired. 
He's waiting for word from the madam of the house to summon him back, and he constantly asks Shirto if he's heard anything. But Shirto responds no, and then promptly closes the door each time. This is hilarious. The only thing Kutinya gets out of Shirto is all of the desserts that Milan and Xiaotao ate that night. And he's like, what? Why are they only focused on eating? <laughs> Finally, closer to like 3 a.m. or something, Gu Tingye has had it and storms out back to his main chambers. For him, he's so disappointed that Mainland didn't care at all that he was being pushed towards another woman. And the thing is, though, he doesn't hear this, but Mainland and her, uh, her maid, Dan Ju, do have a conversation about this earlier in the evening. Minglan has thought about this too methodically, okay? She can not risk not accepting this concubine. This would stain her reputation as a jealous wife and in turn stain Gu Tingye's reputation. She cannot risk that. He's been way too good for her and this is the least she can do to alleviate some of the future pains uh, that he would have to face if she didn't accept this concubine. Minglan at this point still can't tell that a proper wife isn't what Gu Tingye wants. He wants someone who actually loves him and will act based on her feelings instead of what is proper for a wife. Minglan uh, still hasn't gotten to the stage and is uh, very much at the uh, protect your heart moment still. She's certainly sad about this unexpected turn of events, but... She will carry forward with what is proper, not necessarily what uh, Gu Tingye and herself might want. To be fair, a fight is exactly what Madame Qin wants, so currently this is the right call for Minglan. And quite sadly, the role of the wife is to ensure that her husband is happy, so... When Minglan married, it was clear to her that her husband may want other women, and so she should not feel jealous or should not act jealously because that is what is expected of her. So she was certainly uh, mentally prepared, mentally and emotionally prepared for this step. The episode ends with the new concubine Feng Xian being awoken by noise or by the noise of Gu Tingye stomping away. But she is alone in her room. Gu Tingye did not touch her at all. Everything that Gu Tingye has done in this second half of this episode was just to see if uh, <laughs> Minglan would get jealous. But uh, clearly, she's like, nah, I'm just going to eat and sleep and I'll live my life. So he is now sad. <laughs> Before we move on to the historical analysis, I do want to take a moment to discuss the uh, staunch change in Minglan. Notice how aggressive she was during the meal with her family. In the past, she never would have rebuffed her sister and argued with her father the way she did. I mean, she threw chopsticks on the ground. That was quite the power move, wouldn't you say? Even if the conversation was in connection with her beloved mother, her past self, prior to getting married, would have held it together. Why the change? In reality, it's not actually a change in her character, and this is something we'll see in the future. She was always this way, but she had to hide it. 
Now she has experienced more support and is being used to be able to express her true self. And where does that come from? Her husband, Gu Tingye. To me, she has experienced a certain level of uh, freedom in her new marriage, such that she's bringing it now back to her mother's side of the family. And they're a little surprised to see it. Alrighty, now it's time for the historical analysis. The whole drama, this whole TV show, has been about the battles of women within the family courtyard. But this time, Minglan has to deal with a concubine for her own husband. And we're not talking about the one he inherited. This is a brand new woman that she has to receive. The reason why Gu Tingye's aunt was able to saunter into their home and thrust a concubine upon Minglan is because she's currently not pregnant. And it's been only barely a year. And yes, elder family members could do this. Not being pregnant is one of the seven sins, or Chu. Karen discussed this at length in episode 23 and 24. The other sin is if Minglan does not accept Feng Xian, that would be jealousy or Shan Du. Each by itself is grounds for divorce. What a world, right? Just one year in and you can be divorced by not having a kid. More often than not, wives did not have any say in whether or not a concubine entered into their household. The formal ritual of a concubine to enter into the household is called jing cha. We've heard the term during the marriage ceremony. In a marriage, the newlywed couple will present the tea to the parents. By accepting the tea, the parents accept the marriage. For a concubine, though, she has to present the tea to the madam of the household. And the madam of the household is the owner and can treat the concubine as she wants. In Imperial China and throughout Chinese history, as we've mentioned multiple times, concubines mostly were a little more than servants and sexual objects. There are, of course, differences based on the type of concubine uh, a woman is, but generally the parents of the man are not really involved in any of these rituals. And when the concubine enters the household, there is usually just a simple banquet. And then the man goes to enjoy his new woman. So as you saw today in this episode, Feng Xian uh, paid respects with the tea. And Milan was like, here you go. Um, welcome in. There's no uh, banquet. There's no kind of celebration. It's just, yep, you're here. Concubines were not allowed to enter through the front door of the household, and she always had to enter through a side door, and generally lived a subservient life. However, let's put it in perspective. No matter how poorly a concubine might be treated in a household, a concubine of an aristocratic house or even an official's house probably lived a better life than a regular farmer's wife or a shopkeeper's wife. Let's take a look at Lin Qinshuang, or Mistress Lin, or Man Yang. Why did they try so hard to marry in, even as a concubine? 
It was for the wealth and riches, of course. If they birthed a son, who knows what would happen? Even more power, wealth, and riches. Look at Lin Xiaoniang. She had a son and was able to stand her ground within the Sheng family. I personally won't fault women for agreeing to be concubines, but unfortunately, oftentimes women had no say in becoming one. For me, it's very despicable that mothers gift sons concubines often because they all went through the same heartbreak. Why do the same to each subsequent generation? Well, I guess this patriarchal society didn't offer many opportunities for women. So maybe this is all they knew. And they thought, well, I've made it out to see my son have a wife. Uh, and I'm just going to do what I want and gift him concubines, I guess. One of the things that certainly annoyed me the most about uh, life back then and is revealed or discussed quite a bit in this episode is about giving a husband a concubine when a wife is pregnant or when another woman is pregnant. One of his women are, are pregnant. In China, if a wife was pregnant, husband and wife typically wouldn't have relations together. Well, what is a man to do? He has needs. If he can't sleep with his wife, he will turn his gaze elsewhere. Usually the wife or female family members will offer another woman as a concubine to satisfy the man's needs while the wife is pregnant. Let's pause here to reflect on how ridiculous that is. There are other options for the man, but nope, the solution usually is uh, here's another woman. Ugh, this is so condescending to women, but also it just, I don't know, it just makes men seem like they're animals that cannot, you know, control themselves, which I do not believe is the case. Anyways, let's just say no matter how much we love these dramas, uh, I think it is reinforced time and again that it would probably actually be terrible to time travel back into this time uh, because being a woman is, was rather challenging. Yeah, I mean, and then we, let's let's think about that conversation between Minglan and Danju when they were talking about this. It was basically brought up as, yeah, this will happen. If Minglan gets pregnant it's normal to get another woman for the husband. It wasn't a conversation about whether or not he wanted one. The conversation was, yeah, he will have one. Alrighty. Let's finish up with book differences. First up is Milan's behavior towards her father and Molan during the meal in episode 51. In the book, none of this happens. As I've mentioned, Lin Qinshuang, or Mistress Lin, does not die, but is left to rot in a small town. Milan doesn't have this whole revenge plot, and after she's married, could not care less about Molan. She does her best to ignore Molan, and that's the same tactic that the other ladies of the Sheng family take. Unless there's formal family functions, they don't invite Molan and don't really engage. There were conversations peppered throughout the book that Molan wanted to bring her mother back to the main house, but is roundly shot down by Chang Bai. 
the second brother, even her own brother Chang Feng, and her father. Milan probably did a little pushing, but she never threw a tantrum like this. Liang Han, in the book, continued to be pretty oblivious. He treated Mulan very well, and they were relatively happily married. He just never remained very faithful to her. <laughs> Next up is has some differences about Feng Xian and Gu Tingye's paternal aunt. In the book, Feng Xian was already gifted to Gu Tingye before Minglan got married. She was gifted by another noblewoman and basically was left alone by Gu Tingye because he didn't know what to do with her. Gu Tingye's aunt was not involved. Gu Tingye's aunt shows up mainly to assist with Gu Tingye's younger sister, who is another one of Madame Tin's children. She is written out completely in the drama. Gu Tingye's aunt did have a conversation with Gu Tingye about her dislike for his mother and left with the revelation that Madame Tin isn't all she seemed to be. This aunt is a haughty woman, but at least knew that she never helped Gu Tingye when he was down and does not expect anything from him now that he is favored in court. We don't see much of this aunt afterwards uh, in the book or the drama. Spoiler, Gu Tingye never sleeps with Feng Xian in the book and remains very faithful to Minglan. All right, that is it for today. It was quite a uh, lighthearted episode compared to the previous one. So we're quite uh, happy with this shift in tone. The topic is not light, but Gu Tingye's reaction was quite funny. If you are looking for uh, other Chinese dramas to watch, why not head on over to Zhubao TV, where uh, it is a free service that has a selection of Chinese dramas and movies to watch for those of you in the United States. You can stream it through the website Zumo or XUMO, or else access it on TV if you have Xfinity or Cox Contour. The music you heard is the zither piece called Lan with sheet music by Bingjiu Wu Niuqun and played by me. As always, if you have any questions or comments, please, please, please feel free to reach out to us. And we hope you have a great rest of the week. We will catch you in the next episode.